wrong place, wrong reason. That's where we're going to start. I can even tell you the date. It was April 11th, 1982. I had uh, just got out of the L.A. County Sheriff's Academy. I graduated February 12th. So we're talking two months out, and I'm working the biggest jail in the world for the biggest uh, sheriff's department in the world. I'm working L.A. County Jail, the reception part of this. And I'm, you know, kind of doing my time in the jail because someday I'm going to be a ghetto gunslinger and a dragon slayer, but i got to do my time. And I'm kind of starting to find my way. Well, this guy named Jeff, um, Jeff Worth was his name, guy I worked with, asked me to go with him this Saturday night to this location. Uh, wrong place, wrong, wrong reason. And he gave me the reason. The reason wasn't good either. So we go, and I looked it up. This place is actually still in existence. It's called Peanuts, and it's in West Hollywood. So we go. Uh, we didn't get off work till midnight, so just real quick, so you know, you know how your mom says nothing good ever happens after midnight? He's telling the truth. So we go, and while we're at this location, um, there's a, a young lady, I don't say a lady, but a, a female that, um, that Jeff is talking with, and he decides they're going to they're gonna dance. Now, the way this place is laid out, you have an upstairs area, which had, like, pool tables and dartboards and people hanging out. And then you step down a couple steps, and then there was the dance floor. So as they're walking out to the, after the dance, Jeff is standing on the, on the bottom. Jeff played tight ends. He's tight end size in, I think, junior college or small college. So he's like 6'2", 220, 230. And then, so this girl is going to dance with him. And there's this guy, I don't remember his name other than Ricky. He had a last name, obviously, Ricky. And Ricky had given this, this gal a, a ride from one establishment to the other. So because of that, he felt that he had some type of ownership or claim on her and didn't like the fact that Jeff had asked her to dance. So as they're walking down the steps, this guy's shorter than me, so he's about eye level with Jeff on the step. And as Jeff turns back to be the gentleman and offer help down the guy, boom, sucker punched him. And um, I grab the guy, throw the guy to the ground, I get rushed, and the barrel is on. I mean, it was such a big deal, it was legitimately a two-syllable fight. Um, so, so what happens, I get separated, we're kind of fighting, and it's like us against this whole bar. And we, I get separated, and I end up in this one corner by this pool, and I look up, and I see this person running at me. They have jeans, like the Pearl Snap shirt before Pearl Snap was cool, and hair like kind of longish, and whisker, none. So I'm not really sure, we'll just say Pat. So... Pat is running at me, and Pat has a, a pool cue. And Pat's running, and Pat's fixing to take a swing. And probably in the history of mankind, I threw the single best punch ever. I'm like, pew! Drop Pat, I'm like, yeah! Walk over now, the, and what happened was the path kind of cleared. I made it over to Jeff. Um, actually, I got kind of scared for a second, because I got pushed up against the wall. And our guy, Ricky, got a hold of me, got me in a headlock. And I was almost O-U-T out. So I was just punching and grabbing where I needed to just say, hey, get. So I said, to, and I didn't know, I'm a new guy, man. I said to Jeff, I said, let's get out of here. And he said, no, this guy's going to go to jail. I don't know what that means. So basically, we got to the parking lot. And what that meant to Jeff was, we get to the parking lot, and he's going to play catch up. And that wasn't cool. So I get things kind of calmed down. In West Hollywood, you have this conglomeration. You got LAPD, LA Sheriff, and High Patrol all kind of patrol that area. So a bunch of cops show up in the parking lot, and it got crazy. Jeff decides, you know what, I'm going to let this, give this guy a break. He can just go home. Well, Ricky, going home, was 20 minutes down the road, back in the day at the payphone with a quarter, and <laughs> calls his brother, who's a lawyer, and it was on. And an internal investigation started. And this went on for, like, a long time. So then back in, so in July, so this happened in April. In July, I get called out, and I, the decision has been made on what they're going to do with this internal investigation. 
So I go down to Inspector Alley. Inspector Alley, obviously he's a big deal. You got 9,000 cops at the LA County Sheriff's Department. So it's a, a big agency and you're a big guy. He's over the whole jail system. So he's kind of all that in a bag of chips. Homie's a Vietnam vet. He's a good guy. Got a great reputation. I just hadn't met the man yet. So I go down there and they say, hey, have a seat, Mr. Inspector Alley. So I go and I have a seat at the table. And I kind of wait, but then I start thinking, right? And I'm going, dude, what if I get like a written reprimand, man? And that's going to follow me forever. It'll be in my record forever, man. Wait a minute. What if I get time off? I just bought me a slick RX-7. It's 120 miles an hour. So I've been told. I, I got to make those payments, man. I don't know. And then I, and then I really thought, uh-oh. My life dream. 12 years old, I know I'm to be a policeman. What if I, I get fired? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about those three things. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave this chair be for a second. And we're going to come back to the knucklehead in the chair. But I want to let's, let's catch us up where we've been, right? We're going, we're talking about wanting you guys to embrace the gospel. That's one of the things that we, we, we've heard up here a little bit. What that means, at least to me, is we want you guys to, to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. Which here's the side point. It's all about Jesus. We should grow in your knowledge of Jesus and hopefully, and I hate this little church word, um, renew or maybe strengthen your commitment that I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what we're hoping from this. And remember two weeks ago, Adam talked about this door, right? He talked about going to the um, third grade. He's going to spend the night at his buddy's house. And he, basically he, he said that um, who we hang out with is who, who we become. You know, Jesus redefines that. When we connect with Jesus, we become like him. You know, we want to connect with Jesus. And then last week, Isaac did a really good job talking about adoption, right? And he talked about his um, sister-in-law and how the, the country had given her a name. And when she was adopted by the family, they gave her a new name. And we talked about in our, our connection group that God, when we're adopted by God, he, he defines us differently. And also what that showed us was how great... Um, a father he is. I know some of us, not me, but some of you have, have had some father issues. And I'm sorry for that. You know that. He, and I think Isaac did a great job of pointing out that the, this, the father that matters. The Holy Father. Today we're going to talk about this idea of grace, which is kind of what I was wanting, right? At least how we think, what we think of grace. Uh, grace and truth is what we're going to talk about today. And, and so you know, I think they point to each other. And you'll see how I think that here at the end. Grace and truth go together, and I'm going to tie them together here. But let me be open and vulnerable and honest with you guys. This isn't my first uh, rodeo. I've been up on this stage a couple times, told stories, and been a knucklehead. I'm going to tell you, I'm nervous. In fact, my knee's kind of shaking right now, and I'm normally not nervous. And here's the deal. It's not you guys. It's the topic. This is word truth, because I want to make sure that I'm speaking the truth, because it's enough. And I'm not going to yell like I normally do. But I'm going to get intense at a time or two. This is the truth we're talking about. And I want to make sure that I bring it right. So I, and, and I'm going to challenge you guys. I've been leaning into God quite a bit the last two, three weeks. My wife even said, man, you look kind of nervous. I said, I am. You know, I want the Holy Spirit to speak through me right. And I'm going to challenge you. Listen up. If at any given point today, don't ignore the Holy Spirit if he's talking to you. If you hear something that you feel that he's in your heart, Listen, please, 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 man, listen. All right? Okay, let's go to the grace here. 
Now, to talk about grace, we've got to go back to the beginning. The beginning is what? Adam and Eve. You guys know about Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. And they, and they have, um, and, they're, and they're with God while they're in the garden. They have communion with God. And this is the lower C communion versus, you see the table down here, the capital C communion. When I looked up, one of the meanings of communion is intimate connection. They had intimate connection with God. There was God. I'm going to take a rabbit trail here. I've heard people say that, you know, Adam and Eve are so lucky. They got to hang out with God. Hang out sounds a little too homeboy to me. And I, I wasn't hanging out. They were with God, but I think that there was respect and reverence involved with that. They were with God. They had a relationship with God. And then we know what happened, right? They're tempted. Um, they go to the wrong place for the wrong reason. And sin enters the world. They sin. And when they're aware of their sin, they realize that, uh-oh, we're naked. And they go and they hide from God. Now, what happens is first God confronts the devil. I don't have time for that in, in, today. But that's where God tells Satan. that He basically says Jesus is coming right there in Genesis. But they're hiding. Now, let me say this real quick. I know that some of you in here are kind of hiding right now, right? You left some stuff. I don't mean physical stuff, but you left some stuff out in the parking lot or in the car. And you're hiding from God a little bit. And not to be Captain Obvious, but you can't hide from God. You can't. And then he found that out. So here's what happened. This is important we understand this. We miss this sometimes. They realize they're naked. So to cover their sin, God gives them clothes. Now the clothes he gave them is animal clothes, which means our sin costs blood. When we sin, blood is involved. And if you look and you go through the history of the Old Testament and you go through that time, there is a lot of times where they have they have numerous, it was in Leviticus and Moses, you know, God talking through Moses had certain directions they would do. They would, for certain sins, they had certain sacrifices or offerings they made and certain animals, but there was always animal death involved. Our sin costs blood. I think that's, we know the severity of our sin. Maybe I'm a rabbit trail this, but sometimes we cheapen grace. We're not realizing how severe it really is because of, of, of grace. We cheapen it by our actions. But the problem with that, that was temporary. Now, I know that there are people out here that, that are animal tree huggers. Hey, I love my dog. I love my cat or whatever. Some of you guys got like 15 cats you sleep with. Weird. Or like, I guarantee you there's somebody in here who's probably shared a spoon with their dog. Yeah, you know, you're gross. So I, I know, but here's the deal. So you're probably saying to, your, you're saying to yourself, whatever, right? You're saying, why, why animals? They did nothing wrong. That's the point. Here's the deal. This foreshadows Jesus coming. Because this, all of this is about Jesus. Now, I'm going to say a little, um, use a, I hate using these terms, kind of things you see on a poster or like on a bumper sticker or whatever. Kind of like the idea of grace is, you know, unmerited reward. I don't, it's those sayings that you hear. I'm going to talk, but here's one of the things I will say that's a little bumper sticker-ish. And some of you guys who've endured my core class have heard me say this before. When you get your yearbook, what's the first thing you do? Be honest. What do you do? You look for your pictures, right? Oh, here I am. Oh, look at me. I'm so happy. You look at your pictures. Understand something. The Bible is Jesus' yearbook. His picture is in it from Genesis to Revelations. It's all about Jesus. 
And that's where grace comes in, and that's the truth. Because, see, then what happens is things change. Because B.C. turned to A.D., and it got good. Right? Now, you guys know what happened. Jesus shows up. The Savior shows up. This isn't the class for this, but just to real quick, we know what happened, right? He, he was born, and he lived a life that was talked about for centuries. And he, and he fulfilled thousands of prophecies written in the Old Testament, i.e., this is your book. It's all about him. And now he's born. And then he lives a perfect, sinless life. And I know that sometimes we, I, I think that we don't get that sometimes. I think we don't realize how hard that was because he's God, but he's also man. And we know that he was out in the desert for 40 days. He, he fasted. And he didn't eat anything for 40 days. Ew. Um, and he's tempted three specific times. I think a lot of us once think that once that's done, he was done. But when Luke, Luke writes that when Jesus left the desert, the devil waited for opportune times to tempt him again. For those of us who like every day is like, dude, it's a battle, man. Understand, that was how it was for Jesus. But he did not sin. Because here's the deal. You had the first sacrifice. He's the final sacrifice. Because if you, then what happened was he is um, falsely arrested, falsely and illegally tried, and then tortured and crucified and died. But here's the truth. Three days later, he rose again. Now this truth is going to point to grace. Because of this truth, we're going to have access now to grace. I was talking with Dan Drew about this a little bit ago. There's one guy who really understood um, grace. It's Paul. We're going to talk about what we, we're going to go back to Ephesians here in a few, in a few minutes. Um, Paul wrote to us, and also, because he wrote Ephesians, he also wrote Romans. In the book of Romans, Romans 3.23, most of us are familiar with this, but, you know, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yes, Abraham's sin brings condemnation. This is Romans 5.18. Yes, Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone. Because of Adam's sin, we are all sinners. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. We're going to spend a few moments now. In a second here, I'm going to have Ms. Dagnan put back up on here um, our Ephesians deal. But let me set the stage of what's going on here in Ephesians. We're going to pick it up in verse 4 here in a second. But I want you to know what's going on before we get to verse 4. Verse 1, 2, 3, Paul's basically reminding the Ephesians, people from Ephesus, who they were. That they were sinners. They were um, believed in false gods and they did not follow the Savior. He's pointing all of that out to them. Here's who you were. Here's who you are. Now, those of you who've been in my core class know there's a couple of things that I like, right, when I teach. I like the little words. The little words mean quite a bit. And I'm going to go a little Sir Mix-a-Lot on you now. Could you pull that up for me, Mr. Agnew? 
Yeah, you know who Sir Mix-a-Lot is, right? Because I like big butts, and look at this. Yeah, I know. We, he, understand, he says, you were this, you were a sinner. You did not follow God. You lived a life of death. You were going to death. But, and that's important. God was so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. And then this is the thing I want you to really understand something here. There's a connecting word here, and that's even though. You see the, see the term? Even though you were dead because of your sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Even though. This is where the truth and the grace meet together. Because we were, even when, and that's how the NIV has it, even when. This is the NLT, New Living Translation. NIV has the words, even when. It's basically the same thing. When we were doing these things, he still loved us enough to provide a way for us to spend eternity with him. For us to have communion with him. Last week, um... Isaac talked about adoption, and he gave kind of the prodigal son story, right? We're going to revisit that. We're going to spend a few moments in that. About the two sons. We're going to concentrate on the two sons. I'm going to give you a little different perspective of that. Same story, a little different perspective. So instead of talking about the dad, we're going to talk about the sons. And I'm going to guarantee you that the sons are in this room right now. I know. Now, here's the deal. You need to understand something. We'll talk about this story. I want you, this is important. They came through the door. Through the door. We talk about coming to the door and who you are. It was their house. Now, the first son, the youngest son, we talk about not the first, but he's the youngest. He walks in. He kind of takes a look, and he is O-U-T, out. He's going to go be like uh, Nickelback and be a rock star, right? Live a, live a, a life of obvious sin. He's out there having a good time. And then like Isaac brought up last week, he realizes he's hit rock bottom. He realizes, I need to get this right. I need to come back home. See, his dad's sitting at the table. And there's a chair for him, a chair of grace for him. Listen up. There's some people in here right now, some of you. Maybe there was a point not too long ago where you made a decision. You thought you were going to walk in the door for a second. Maybe it was on a bus ride from Michigan. Maybe it was a a trip. Maybe it was a D group or whatever. And then, for whatever reason, you're going to be a rock star, and you're gone, and you're out. And you have not been living like you know you should. One of the things that happens with grace is it, it kind of reverses our understanding of sin. And for the youngest son, the understanding of the sin is, I am so bad, I am so wretched, I am so jacked up, that I can't sit at the table and have communion with the Father. If that is you, listen up, that's not true. I don't care how far south you went, I don't care how dumb it was, how goofy it was, the cross matters to you. Even, even though... Jesus died, and that, and that death and that resurrection is what opens that door for our grace. God's always had grace. He just gives access to us. But listen up. Listen up. 
You're still going to come in and sit in the chair, man. Sit in the chair. Now, for some of us, and I said us on purpose because this us is me. I am, straight up, straight up, the older brother. All right, remember the older brother? He, he's in the house, but he's out working out in the field, right? And here's what we often do as the older brother, those of us like the older brother. Oh, we'll come to the table, and we're kind of like looking around, and we're like, I said friggin', and I said darn it. And I wasn't like, they were talking about it, but I didn't talk. I just got away, and I got a porn blocker on my phone. I went to the party, but I was drinking root beer. Right? We, and we try to basically, what we're doing is, I think we're trying to manipulate God through our morality. How moral we are, we're going to manipulate God that way because we think we can be good enough. That was me. Coach Smith and I had this conversation just a month ago about this idea. For a lot of us, we view God as our coach. And we are working for playing time. Right? If I'm good, this good thing will happen. I'm good, that good thing will happen. We're really not getting and grasping what grace is. We have a, a messed up that we think we can earn it. That by being good enough, I can get God's grace because I'm, I'm just a good guy. What we want, though, when we do that, and this is, I think Francis Chan said this, it wasn't a Larry Stout original, but we want grace to save us from hell. We don't want grace to save us from our sins. And grace saves us from our sins. We walk in and we sit at this table and we look around. But we stand at the table, we don't sit down. Here's the deal. Grace is, is attached to truth. And the truth is this. The truth is Jesus. And Jesus' death and resurrection give us access to to grace. And we can sit at the table with the Father. But here's the thing. He's not going to make you. You have to decide. I need you guys to think about this. Sometimes you just got to sit at the table of grace. Right, let me pray for us. Alright? Father God, I love you. And I, and I thank you. Um, I thank you for the students in this room, and I, I thank you mostly for the cross, and I thank you that you provided a way for a knucklehead like me um, to spend time with you. Uh, I want to have that, that daily communion, that um, intimate time with you. Father, I pray for the students in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that, that um, you continue to work on their hearts. Father, I pray that if there's decisions that need to be made or steps that need to be taken, that um, they have the courage to do it. And they stand up and they, and they be who you want them to be. Father God, I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys have a seat.
I was a kid going to church, 